Well, good morning again, everyone. It's so good to see you on this Lord's Day. And I want to say thank you for worshiping the Lord through song. And now let's worship through the Word, shall we? If you haven't done so already, I want to invite you to take your listening outline from your worship guide, get a pen in hand, and follow along in your copy of God's Word today as we look at several different passages of Scripture together. And as we're preparing to hear the Word here in the worship center, let me offer a warm, warm welcome to those who are in our contemporary service today. I'm really glad you're here this morning, as well as those of you who are joining on TV and online. I'm, I'm glad you're part of our service today as well. I want to ask a question as we begin this morning. How many of you ever feel as if life is complicated? Can I see your hand if you feel like it's complicated? You know, I think the longer you live, the greater likelihood it is that you would probably raise your hand. Life just seems to get more complex, more complicated uh, the longer you live. And I, I bet if I ask it this way, for those of you who've lived a few decades now, and, and if I were to ask, how many of you think life is more complex, more complicated now than it was just a few years ago, I bet most of us would raise our hand. I bet most of us would say, yep, uh, that's true for me. I don't think that's just a feeling. I think it's actually a reality that expresses itself in a variety of ways in our daily life. Um, think with me, um, ju just think back a few decades ago, I don't know, say three decades ago or four decades ago, and, and you sat down at night to turn on the TV. How many options would you have had whenever you turned on the TV? Well, generally, three, you would have had ABC, NBC, CBS, maybe a PBS station out there somewhere in the ether. But now when you sit down to watch TV, oh man, if you're on cable or if you're on the satellite, well, it's just dozens and dozens and dozens of channels. And if that doesn't satisfy you, well, there's the other streaming services. There's Netflix and there's Amazon Video and there's Hulu and there's Disney Plus. And the choices just go on and on. So even when you sit down at night to watch a television show, you just go, wow, this is more complicated than it used to be. Or what about when you go to the grocery store? When you go to the grocery store today, I am told, I found this data on the internet, so it has to be true, right? <laughs> I am told that in the average grocery store today, there are typically 39,500 items to choose from. And as late as the 1990s, guess how many items would have been in a typical grocery store? Only 7,000. And so over these years, we're now five, almost six times as complicated, complex, even when we go to the grocery store. And then think about what the digital revolution has done to the number of connections we have. Now, truth be told, we're only capable of so many uh, genuine, 
personal, face-to-face, depth and quality relationships. But now through our phones, well, we're connected to people all over the world, all over the world, almost in real time. And those connections have just made our lives complex. They're just complicated. You know, it's in the middle of that complexity today that I want to see if we can look to Scripture and simplify and say, okay, I get the complexity. We're going to need wisdom to negotiate it. But the wisdom is going to come out of a few basic things. It's the reason why, as you see on your outline, I've entitled today's message, The ABCs, The ABCs, of successful living. Do you remember when you first started your educational journey, one of the first things you had to do was to learn your ABCs. In fact, they gave us a little little song, did they not? So that we would learn them. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know it. H, I, J, K, Elemental P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Now I've said my ABCs. Tell me what you think of me. <laughs> yeah, you know that. And, and what, we, what, what did the little child who sang the song, what kind of response did they anticipate getting? Well, applause and smile and yeah, you got it. You can do it. Why? Because we know that when you learn those letters, You learn to write them phonetically. You learn what their sounds are, that those are the basic building blocks. You put them together to form words. Words become phrases. Phrases become sentences. Sentences become paragraphs. Paragraphs become chapters. Chapters become books. And it begins with some basics, some basics that are really simple, but once they're in place, it opens a world of possibility in front of us. So if you were speaking to a group of graduates today, like I will be at the 11 o'clock service, and you wanted to say, okay, here are the basics, here are the building blocks. Here are the ABCs of successful living in the eyes of the Lord. What would you tell them? Well, let me show you what I'm going to tell them. And I hope there's going to be encouragement for you and me in it as well. I would say A in this alphabet of success is to abide. Write it in on your outline. A stands for abide in the word. Abide in the word. Now, most every one of the graduates who will be in the service in just a few minutes have a connection to our church at various depths. And and virtually all of them, this is not going to be a new truth to be challenged to abide, to continue to remain in the word. I mean, if you've ever been to Sunday school, if you've ever been to vacation Bible school, if you've ever been a part of a church very long, you're going to hear someone say, you know, well, one of the things we need to do 
is to abide in the word. It is not a new truth. But here's here's what's going to happen. Those graduates, when they leave home, are going to have greater freedom to make more choices about how they order their lives and days. And one of their choices is going to be whether or not they will choose on their own as young adults to make time for, to develop the habit, the discipline, the practice, the regular pattern of listening for God's voice through the word. And I just want to say to you, I know in this room, guess what? This is not a new truth. But I wonder what would happen if I just went row by row, person by person, and just said, hey, tell me about your habit. Don't tell me about what you aspire to, but tell me what your regular practice is. Do you regularly open God's word and and engage with him? You're not just checking a box, but you engage with him and you allow him to speak to you through his word. This is the seminal habit of every person who orders their life in a way that pleases the Lord. There is no substitute. You have to abide in the truth. Let me show you just one verse that underscores that. It's in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. An experienced leader, Moses, had just moved off the scene, and Joshua is about to lead the people into the promised land. This is part of what the Lord says to him. Look at it. The Lord says to Joshua, this book of the law, he's pointing to the scripture, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that the reason for the meditation is so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, watch the progression. You abide in the word, you think about it, you meditate on it, so that you actually can put it into practice. For then you will make your way, look at what the scripture says. It says you'll make your way prosperous, And then you will have good success. Um, This is not a promise that every economic venture that we engage in, God promises to bless and prosper and make successful if we abide in his word. But it does mean that if we want to live in alignment with God's purposes, if we want to live in harmony with his truth, then we need to abide in the word so that it begins to saturate our lives. Um, Think of it this way. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. To abide in the word is like daily nourishment for our soul and for our spirit. So what about it? I know this is not a new truth, but is it one you've put into practice? 
If not, if you don't have a way going, I want to invite you into a way. It's called a chapter a day. You can pull out your phone, text the word chapter to 22828, sign up with your email address, and you can join with literally hundreds of us who are abiding in the word just a chapter a day. Over the course of the year, you'll make your way through all 260 chapters of the New Testament. We'll add 105 chapters from the Old Testament. And over time, guess what it will do? It'll change your mind. It'll change your heart. It'll change your spirit. The, the, the first practice, the first building block of the ABCs of spiritually successful living, it's to abide in the word. So what about B? What does that stand for? If the first thing to do is to abide in the word, B stands for be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. Now, I want you to look at a passage that the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. And I think you will um, see where this admonition fits. The Apostle Paul wrote to these believers, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, he's saying, look carefully how you live, how you order your life, how, do you, how you conduct your affairs, and don't be unwise, but have wisdom. Look at verse 16. He says, making the best use of the time. In a complex world with many choices, we need wisdom, and then we need to use our time in a way that is wise, making the best use of the time because of the days are evil. And then he just says it flatly. Look at it, verse 17. He says, therefore, don't be foolish. You're going to be tempted in this world to fall on the spectrum, either on the foolish end or the fearful end. But he says, don't be on the ends of the spectrum. Instead, be in the sweet spot of faithfulness. He says, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, He's not talking about here the secret will of God that he keeps to himself, that he does not reveal to us. We can only see it in hindsight. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord. So what is Paul talking about here? He's talking about the will of God that has been revealed in his word for all of our lives. And then it's interesting, in the next verse, verse 18, he compares and contrasts being filled with two different things. He says, don't get drunk with wine. In other words, don't fill yourself up with an intoxicating beverage. Why? Because he says, that's going to lead you to debauchery. That's going to lead you to do foolish things, unwise things, things that do not serve God's purpose or a good, good purpose in your life. He says, don't, don't get drunk with wine, but instead, he says, be filled with, be intoxicated with, be... Uh, uh, just be absolutely saturated with, be filled with, he says, God's spirit. 
So now watch this church family that I love. This is not rocket science. This is ABCs. But you have to have the ABCs in place to do the rest of it. You abide in the word and you be filled with the spirit. The word and the spirit, they go together to begin to produce in us the kind of life that God intends for us and that will bring him great glory. Now, will you dig in with me just a little bit more on this be filled with the spirit thing? I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Um, the Holy Spirit is involved in our walk with Christ from the very beginning. In fact, the Bible says when we're dead in sin and God intends to save us, his spirit opens our eyes so we can see the truth, opens our minds so we can understand the truth of the gospel. His spirit sovereignly opens our eyes, opens our minds, opens our hearts, and he gives us new life. And as a result of that, and our hearing and receiving the gospel, we turn from our sins, we put our trust in Christ, and the Bible uses words like this. It says, the Holy Spirit baptizes us, he seals us, he indwells us. The Spirit of God himself comes to live within us whenever we become a Christ follower. And then, day by day, God's Word says, we're to be filled with the Spirit. It means that God's Spirit is to be in control. It means that God's Spirit is to have freedom to guide us and lead us and direct us and prompt us. Well, what is the thing that keeps us from being filled with the Spirit? Well, it's when we disobey God's Word, when we dishonor the Lord, when we grieve the Spirit, or when we quench the Spirit. So, now are you with me? The most critical practice, habit, that allows us to be filled with the Spirit is daily, regular confession of sin to the Lord and sometimes to others so that, so that that relationship with the Father is not blocked and dammed up and is not, uh, distance hasn't come into that fellowship because of sin but instead, as the Holy Spirit convicts us, we say, Lord, I agree with you. And I'm sorry for that sin. Would you please forgive me? Would you restore me to fellowship with you? And then would you help me walk in obedience to you? And so what are the first two of the ABCs? To abide in the word and to be filled with the Spirit to walk in a daily habit of confession and repentance that allows God's spirit to flow through us in a powerful way. You know, we could almost stop right there and say, if you abide in the word and if you are filled with the spirit, 
you have the building blocks in place for a successful spiritual life. But now, I want to go on and give you just a few more, a little more quickly. Are you with me? You ready? Let's, let's see if we can do uh, C. Before we do, what does A stand for? Say that phrase out loud with me again. What does A stand for? Abide in the Word. A is abide in the Word. B stands for be filled with the Spirit. Abide in the Word, be filled with the Spirit. And then here's what C stands for. I'm going to say to these graduates at 11, but I want to say to us that C stands for choose your friends wisely. C stands for choose your friends wisely. So if you abide in the word and you're filled with the spirit, the next most important thing are your closest relationships. So these guys and girls are going to leave home they're, they're going to branch out. Some will go to college. Some will go to the military. Some will go to work. And now all of a sudden they're going to have a chance to choose who they hang with. And what does the Bible say? Look in, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. I want you to read this one verse out loud with me. Are you ready? Everybody in the room, let's read it together. It begins, whoever walks with the wise. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Here we go. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Oh, wow. Don't you love that? Man, it's such practical wisdom. It says, look now, if you're going to get the building blocks in place, abide in the word, be filled with the spirit, and then choose who you're going to hang around with really wisely because they're going to influence you. They're going to rub off on you. And if you want to become wise, hang with the wise. But if you want harm, hang with the fools. One guy said it this way. I love it. He says, your friends are like the buttons on an elevator. They'll either take you up or take you down. <laughs> Isn't that just right? Now, every time I teach this principle, somebody says, yeah, 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 but I'm going I'm, I'm to witness to them, and I'm going to raise them up, and I'm going to help them get better. I think you ought to have a few relationships with people who are far from God that you're trying to love and care for and witness to. But guess who your closest friends ought to be? Guess who your most intimate associates ought to be? They ought to be other people who are abiding in the word, walking in the spirit, helping you become more and more like Jesus. Those are the people that you ought to hang most closely with. Can I give you a couple other C words to write in there? I could have made this point community. God does not intend us to walk through this life alone, but he intends for us to be in community with some others. Would you write in a third C word that I could have put at this point? It could be the word church. Because as you abide in the word and are filled with the spirit, you need a community of other believers that you can be a part of. And guess what the Bible calls that community? It calls it the church. That's the reason why. We're in the body of Christ and we're in small groups and prayer groups to encourage one another in our walk with the Lord. Well, that's not rocket science. 
A, abide in the Word. B, be filled with the Spirit. C, choose your friends wisely. Let me give you D. D is develop your gifts diligently. The Apostle Paul put it this way to young Timothy. He said, for this reason, I remind you. I love this language. Look at it. It's powerful. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The apostle Paul says, look, young Timothy, God has given you some gifts, but they're like just a little flicker. It's just burning a little bit. But now if you'll be diligent, if you'll study, if you'll learn, if you'll grow, if you'll hone them, if you'll develop them, that little flicker will become a big flame And your life will have maximum impact if you develop the gifts God has given you. You know the principle. It's true in a lot of life. If you don't use it, do you know this phrase? If you don't use it, what is the rest of it? If you don't use it, you lose it. And so develop your gifts that God has given you. You know what I want to say to every one of these young people too? I want to give them E. And I know this is getting to be a little complex now, isn't it? And so, but E stands for embrace. Embrace the success sequence. This used to be just called practical biblical wisdom. But it is beginning to be so rare that it needs to be said out loud. To every young person, if you do these four things and do them in this order, the likelihood of things going well with you goes sky high. Here you go. Number one is get an education. That's a good place to begin. And these guys and girls are marking a high school graduation. Number two is once you get an education, get a what? Do you know? Anybody know? Get a job. Look, how many of you parents in favor for your young adult kids to get a job? Yeah, I thought so. Me too. Mine have. I'm grateful for that. Bless them. Get an education. Get a job. Number three, get married. Now, it's possible to live a fulfilled, joyful, God-glorifying life as a single person. We teach that. But for most people in our culture, it's going to mean getting an education, get a job, get married, and then number four, have sex and have children after you get married, not before. And if you will do these four things in this order, there's a reason they call it the success sequence. Now, let me just say, every time I preach this, somebody comes to me and says, but what about me? And they'll tell me their exception to the rule. They'll tell me how they got some things out of order. And what I want to say is thanks be unto God that his grace is sufficient to rescue us when we foolishly or sinfully get off the path. But the best thing is to stay on the right path, is it not? And so we want to say God's grace is sufficient to forgive, but this is the right path. What does F stand for? It stands for follow Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Listen, it's possible 
to try to save your life and lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus says, will find it. What will it profit you if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? And then G, it stands for glorify God. And I want you to read aloud with me this last prayer. It's really my prayer for you today. It's uh, the Apostle Paul's prayer for us. It begins, and it is my prayer. Let's read it together. Here we go. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Oh, that's my prayer for every one of these graduates and for you and me as well. Join me as we pray together. Father, thank you so much for reminding us in our complex, complicated world of some simple, basic, biblical truths that if we build into our life, will produce good fruit for your glory and our good. Lord, help us abide in the word. Help us be filled with the Spirit. Help us choose our friends wisely. Help us develop our gifts diligently. Lord, I pray for every one of these graduates to embrace the success sequence. And Lord, I pray for everyone listening to say yes and follow Jesus and to live for your glory day by day. God, would you grant that to be so? When we've fallen, when we've stumbled, when we've gotten off the path, please forgive us. Put us back on our feet and help us keep walking and living for the glory of your name. We love you, O Lord, and we offer this prayer to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.